Would you remain standing in honor of God's word as we go to the text from which my assignment comes today, the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter number uh, four, verse number 13. The Bible says, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be you to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor women gave him the name saying, this is a son born to Naomi and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Well, this is the pre-fairy tale, true account of Cinderella, where a young lady who life has dumped on marries her Prince Charming. Of course, I'm talking about Ruth and Boaz. And if I'm honest with you, there really aren't a lot of picturesque romantic relationships in the Bible because truth is relationships are messy. But this is one of them where they did it the right way. They married for the right reasons. They looked at each other's character and they, they honored God in everything that they did. And because of those choices that they made, they had a happily ever after life. How many of you know the choices we make have a lot to do with our happiness in life. Amen. I don't want to talk to you about relationships though. I want to talk to you about the rewards of an all in life. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you minister by your grace, anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit to every heart. We thank you for it in Jesus name. And everybody said, you may be seated. First of all, let me remind you what all in means. It means full devotion to Christ no matter what the cost. It's not just buying in, but it's selling out. It's not just a fickle following of Christ where we are all in when everything is going good, but when life doesn't go our way, not so much. It is a life where Jesus is not an add-on, but Jesus is the center of it all, where everything revolves around him and not our likes or dislikes or wants or pleasures or any of that kind of stuff. In the words of Jesus, it is picking up our cross daily and following him. It is dying to ourselves. It is being willing to turn over the title deed of our lives to Jesus so that he can use them as he sees fits. In short, it is being willing to pay whatever the price is to prioritize Christ. And perhaps this is why the Apostle Paul, who had everything before he came to Christ, if you've been here on Wednesday night, you know that he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which means that he was rich, powerful, wealthy, and living the Jerusalem dream. But when he came to Jesus, Jesus, he lost everything. And in Philippians chapter three, verse number seven, he says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I count all these things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish that I might gain Christ. In other words, he's saying, even though I lost everything, this world values when I came to Christ, it was worth it because when I found Jesus, I hit the jackpot. 
You see, we sing that song a lot. I don't know if you remember from back in the day. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. We sing that song, but do we really mean it? Would we really rather have Jesus than all of those things? And the proof is what happens when God is inconvenient in our life? What happens when when there is a price to pay for having to follow Jesus? That's when we really know whether we'd rather have Jesus than all of these things. And that's for each one of us to examine in our hearts. But here's what I do know. I do know that that's how Ruth felt. Ruth was willing to pay a big price in order to go all in for Jesus. And she married this man by the name of Boaz, and they they lived happily ever after. But her story was not always happily ever after. Matter of fact, her story began even before she entered the picture. Say, Pastor, how is that possible? How could somebody's story begin even before they entered the picture? Well, that's all of our lives. All of our lives' stories begin even before we enter the picture. There are two forces that are always at work in our life. There is the plot of the enemy and the plan of God. And the plot of the enemy is trying to set things up, sometimes even before we arrive, to destroy our lives. And the plan of God is to map things out so that we can fulfill our destiny. And these two forces are often colliding in life. But the truth of the matter is that when we go all in, the plan of God is so much more powerful than the plot of the enemy. Matter of fact, listen to what the scripture says. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. I know the plans plural that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a bright future. And the reason why God's got to have plans is because of the plot of the enemy. So God sees even before things unfold and he takes into account anything that the enemy may try to do to pull us off the track. And once we go all in, God makes sure that we get back on course. God has got a plan for our lives. But I digress. Ruth's story begins before she was in the picture. There was a man by the name of Elimelech, whose name, by the way, means my God is king. And he was married to a woman named Naomi, which means sweet or pleasant. And they were living in Bethlehem in Judea with their two sons, Malian and Kilian, but there was famine in the land. Perhaps that's why they named their sons Malian and Kilian, because those names mean sickness and death. And it was not uncommon for people in Bible times to name their children over or or after what they were experiencing all around them. But can I push the pause button for just a moment and remind you that when when you're going through a situation that is not good, don't be a reporter, be a forecaster. In other words, don't, don't, don't tag your children especially or your circumstance with what is happening around you. They put a life sentence on their children by saying their names are sickness and death instead of speaking not as things were, but as things are promised by God. Don't be a reporter of your circumstances. Don't say this is going on and that's going on and this is going, be a forecaster of what the promises of God say over your life. But this particular family did not do that. They forgot that death and life is in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So instead of declaring something different than what they were experiencing, they tagged their children with their words 
And their children, we're going to see, followed that tag that was on their life. And so they're in this particular season in life. There's a famine in the land. They're living in Bethlehem, Judea. And they decide they're going to move for a minute to the country of Moab where there was no famine. Now, this seems like it was a good decision, but in reality, it was an indictment on their relationship with God. You have to understand a few things about the culture of that day. Moving outside of the land that God had given to Israel was the equivalent of turning their back on God and putting themselves underneath the authority of the pagan gods that ruled over the lands that they were going to. And in this particular land, the land of Moab, the pagan god that was worshipped was a god by the name of Chemish. C-H-E-M-O-S-H. He was the God of destruction who required human sacrifice as a means of worshiping him, which was an abomination to the Lord. So in essence, Eli and Naomi leave God, Jehovah, during a season of trial in their life and move, listen to me, to where life was easier and more blessed. Even though it meant subjecting themselves and their children to the culture and the ways of Chemish. Now this may seem like, well, Pastor, how does this relate to us? How many times, I wish God would help me preach this, how many times when God is inconvenient, when, when life is not as good as we want it to be, do we move away from the things of God and subject our spirits to the ways of the culture? How many times have I heard parents say, well, my kid needs to be here because here they offer this, that, and the other thing. Meanwhile, you're subjecting your child's spirit to Pagan stuff, especially in this day and age. How often do we remove ourselves from the blessing of God because living sometimes for God, you can go through some trials in life. And sometimes what we think is if we move away from the things of God to where it's easier, because sometimes the devil will make it easier for you. And the reason why he'll make it easier for you is so that you can move away from the things of God. And we move because of convenience. We move because of things. Instead of realizing that I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. Do we really believe that? And they move away from God because serving God for that season was challenging. And they move away, and they go to the land of Moab, and they live in this land, and as they're living there, Eli dies, and Naomi is left with her two sons, who, by the way, you guessed it, married Moabite women. What did they expect was going to happen? We're going to take our kids... Out of an environment, we're going to take our kids out of a place where the authority of God rules and we're going to bring them into a foreign country, a culture where Moab rules, and we're going to expect that they don't get intermarried with Moabites. Of course they're going to. And so they do. And they marry these two girls named Ruth and Orpah. And for 10 years, the first 10 years, their wombs are barren. And many people would look at that as a curse. But I think it was the protection of God because remember what Chemish required. 
human sacrifice. Who knows if they would have had kids at that time, whether they would have been required to sacrifice their children to this pagan God. Sometimes when God doesn't answer, it's not because God is holding out on you. It's because God is protecting you because God can see the beginning from the end. And so they're living in this place. And after 10 years, guess what happens? The two boys die. Sickness and disease. Malian and Killian die also. And so now Naomi is left with just her two daughter-in-law. She's got no, no husband to take care of her. She's got no sons to take care of her. And in Bible times, that was basically a sign-up for a life of struggle and poverty because of the dependence that women had on men during those times, especially widows. And that's why you see in the Bible time ministries to widows to take care of them and so on and so forth. So Naomi is left with heartache, with pain, with destitution. And Naomi looks at her two daughter-in-laws and she says, I'm returning to the land of Bethlehem, Judea, trans. I'm going back to where God reigns. I want to tell you that sin over promises and under delivers. You could think you're leaving God for something better when you go into the world. You could think you're leaving God for something easier when you go into the world. But I want to remind you of what David said. He said, better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to live in the tents of the unrighteous. In other words, here's what he was saying. I'd rather have Jesus. Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather suffer with Christ. That's not the life God has called you to, by the way. But I'd rather, if I had to choose, suffer with Christ than to have food with the Moabites. I'd rather have, I'd rather enjoy, or, or what did Moses say? He said, I'd rather stay, uh, suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. See, she said, I'm going back. I saw, I got tricked. I thought that if I move away from God, I thought if I did it the world's way, I thought if I followed after the culture, I thought if I did it with the the pressures that everybody is putting on me, if I did it that way, it would be easier. But sin over-promised and under-delivered because death and sickness eventually came upon me. And so Naomi says, I'm going back. And and then she says this, Ruth chapter 4, verse number 8. Then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. I think this is actually chapter 2, by the way, not not chapter 4. Um, then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and she said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who can become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to two sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. I want you to see here that Ruth pays four prices. That indicate to us that she's living an all-in life. Number one, the price of honor. 
Both Ruth and Orpah were not legally bound to stay with Naomi. When their husbands died, that ended. Orpah took Naomi up on her offer and left. Ruth stayed because she knew that Naomi was older and needed somebody to look after her. She honored her mother-in-law. Ephesians chapter 6 verse number 2 says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live a long life on the earth. Two things about honor. Number one, it's not always easy. Sometimes God will ask you to honor people that you don't agree with. That requires you to take a uh, servant's attitude. That requires you to lower yourself, in effect, to exalt somebody else. And sometimes that's not easy in life. But Ruth was willing to pay that price, the price of honor. But here's the second thing about honor. It attracts the favor of God. To those who honor their parents, right? The promise is long life. To those of us who honor the Lord with our tithe, the promise is heaven's windows open up above us. There is a a favor that is attached to honor. Honor is a price that is worth paying. Number two, the price of kissing Orpah goodbye. Orpah left, Ruth stayed. The text says they wept aloud together, that they kissed each other goodbye. Now, I want you to understand that even though Orpah and Ruth were close to Naomi, they were probably even closer to one another. Why? Because they went through the same pain together. And how many of you know, when you stick by somebody in the middle of a painful season of life, there is a bond that is created like no other. And so they're sticking by one another, not just because of the famine that they went through, but now they both have lost their husbands and they're comforting one another. And they both have been barren, which was a stigma in those times. But they stuck by one another and they were bound together. So now the time comes. And, 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 and Naomi probably loves Orpah. She loves her mother-in-law, but she probably loves Orpah or Ruth loves Naomi, but she probably loves Orpah even more because of the bond that they have together. And there comes a point in your life where if you want to see the goodness of God, if you want to see everything that God has for you, you will have to kiss some people goodbye in your life that you have bonded with. Because not everybody is always going to be moved in the same direction that God wants you to move in. And God will need to give you a grace on your life sometimes to move on from people that you have bonded with. Sometimes you'll have to look at people and say, I love you, but you want to stay in Moab. I've got to go back, so goodbye. I love you, but you want something different than I want in life. God has this for me and you're not interested. i got to say goodbye. I love you, but I'm no longer comfortable hanging around the stuff that you like. So I got to say goodbye. We're cool and I wish you the best, but our values are going in a completely different direction. So it's time for me to say goodbye. I wish you the best. My heart is, is a little hurt right now, but every time I'm around you, I wind up doing things that I know do not glorify God. So I got to say goodbye. Some of you got to say goodbye to people. Some of you got to say goodbye to places. Because they're in the way of your relationship with God. And it's a price that you got to be willing to pay. And there are too many people who are not willing to pay whatever the price is in order to follow Jesus. But Ruth was. She pays the price of selflessness. In Ruth chapter number 1 verse number 11, the Bible says, But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Actually, it was chapter 1, not chapter 4 or 2. Chapter 1. Uh, But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. 
Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husband? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and they give birth to two sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? Translation, I've got nothing for you. And yet Ruth stayed. The price of selflessness. For Ruth, this meant signing up, literally, for a life of destitution. This meant no hope of ever having a husband again, which was a big thing. It was more than just love in Bible times. It was security in Bible times. This meant that she was going into a foreign land as a Moabitess woman, something that was strictly forbidden for Israelites or Jews to do was to marry Moabites. So she's going into a place, she's signing up for destitution, and this means that she has to become a gleaner. And a gleaner was basically somebody that picked up the scraps that other people left in their field in order for food. She was signing up for this kind of life. There was nothing for her. Naomi said, I've got nothing to give you. But how many of you know, Ruth stayed anyway. Why? She stayed because she wasn't in it for what she could get out of it. Let me say this for the people in the back. Let me say this for all the people who treat God like he's their drug dealer. Can I get the next fix? And can I get the next fix? And can I get the next fix? Can I tell you, we shouldn't be in it for what we can get out of it. We should be in it because I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. See, when your motivation is right, we're going to see this in just a minute, there's nothing that God won't do for you. But so many of us are just in it. We only want God when we need God. We only want God when we want something. And God is saying the word for 2023, it's time to go all in. It's time to stop that nonsense. It's time to stop that cultural Christianity and realize that the Christianity of the Bible comes with the price of separating from the things of the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. But too many of us are too attached, so attached that we won't even be inconvenienced for Jesus. Ruth says, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm all in, no matter what. At the risk of getting ahead of myself, the price is worth the reward. Once the motive is right and purified, the payback will make you pinch yourself to make sure you're not dreaming. Let me also tell you this, that in Christ, I promise you, you will have to give up in order to go up and grow up. In Christ, I promise you, there will be opportunities you'll have to say no to. There'll be checks you'll have to pass on. There'll be, there'll be people you have to part from. In Christ, you will have to give up in order to go up and grow up. There's no question about it. If you've never had to say no to something that the world defined as good in your life, I promise you, you're not all in. If it's been that easy for you, I promise you, you're just on the fringe. Because there will come a time in your life where your faith will be tested. Where your, where your love will be tested. And, and what will happen is it'll be this or it'll be this. And this will be a good thing. And this will be a thing that seems right. And this will be a th- thing that maybe it will change your life for the better. And you'll look at that and you'll look at this and you'll say, but if I do that, I've got to compromise a little bit of this. And if I, if I do that, I've got to pull a little bit away from Christ. And Christ is saying to us, if we want to be all in, we need to realize that in Christ we will have to give up in order to go up and in order to grow up. 
But when we do, when the motive is purified, the reward will be so amazing that you will want to pinch yourself to make sure you're not dreaming. David, by the way, was passed over by seven other brothers, but God still put him on the throne. Why? Because there's no God like Jehovah. Joseph spent 13 years, some as a servant and some in prison, but yet God still promoted him to prime minister. Why? Because there's no God like Jehovah. Esther was a slave girl in a foreign nation who lost her parents, but God still made her queen. Why? There's no God like Jehovah. Hannah was barren for all those years, made fun of, but God gave her a prophet by the name of Samuel, Samuel, who not one time did he ever speak a word that didn't come to pass? Why? There's no God like Jehovah. Moses stuttered, but yet God still used his mouth to let God, to motivate uh, the most powerful man in the world to let God's people go. Why? There's no God like Jehovah. And Ruth was a Moabitess girl living in a land that was forbidden to marry Moabitess girls, but she still is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Why? There's no God like Jehovah. The price is worth it because the reward will make you pinch yourself. Here are the rewards of an all-in life. Number one, the reward of providence. What is providence? Providence comes from two words, pro, which means um, before, and video, which means to see. So providence means to see before it happens. It's actually to, to see a problem before it happens and, and to put a solution in place. So, so Ruth sticks with Naomi. She pre, pre, pays the price of honor, selflessness, kissing Orpah goodbye and sticking with God no matter what it looked like. They return to Bethlehem, Judea and now Ruth has got to go out and get food for them and she goes into the fields to glean because there was a Jewish law that basically told all of the harvesters leave some behind for those that have a need. And she goes into the field to glean and watch the rewards of providence. Number one, you get just so happen moments in life. Ruth chapter two, verse number three. Then she left. She went and gleaned into the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Of all the fields that she could have walked into to glean in. She just happened to notice the phraseology in the scripture. The original language says she chanced upon her chance. The scripture says time and chance happens to everyone. In other words, God will set everyone up some of the time. And if you are an all-in, God will set you up all of the time. If you just remain all-in, God will walk you into places that you don't even know what God is doing. God was setting her up for a blessing. It just so happened that she walked into the field belonging to Boaz who was family. Why? Because God can see in advance. God is pro video. And so even before her life entered the story, God was writing the story for her. God was watching the plot of the enemy. And he was saying, you know what? You got her here just so she could be broke, busted, and disgusted. But I'm here so that she could meet and walk into the biggest blessing of her life. God will have you in the right time at the right place if you will be all in. And not only that, but she catches Boaz's eye. People who own fields, people who own businesses are not always present at the business. 
Maybe they're doing other things. Maybe they're checking out other jobs. There's usually people that they leave behind. Boaz has got his work. It just so happens that at the time she comes to glean, Boaz is there. And it just so happens that she catches Boaz's eye. Look at the wording in the scripture. Ruth chapter 2 verse number 4 says, now behold. Sometimes we think behold is King James. Right? Because we don't say, now behold. We say things like this, and you wouldn't believe what happened. That's what behold means. It means take a note of this. This is spectacular. This is out of the ordinary. This is something that is not chance. This is something that is not coincidence. This is something that is God using providence, pro video, to set her up. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servants who were in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is that? Of all the gleaners, there were multiple gleaners in the field. For some reason, Ruth caught the eye of Boaz. Why? Because God will set you up with not just so happen to be moments, the reward of providence, the reward of divine edits. Boaz has a conversation with Ruth. Says, don't go into any other field to reap from here on out. Just reap in my field. I told nobody to bother with you or try to mess with you. Because here's what would happen when women went into the fields to glean. They'd be raped. Oh, you want food? Okay. And so Boaz told all of his reapers, all his workers, don't touch her. Leave her alone. Don't don't put a hand on her in any way. Ruth says to what do I owe such honor? Boaz says, I heard about how much of a blessing you have been to your mother-in-law. In other words, I heard the choices that you made to honor your mother-in-law, to be selfless, to kiss Orpah goodbye, and to stick with God. And God has instructed me to bless you. Watch this, watch this. Ruth chapter 4 verse 12. The Lord repay, the Lord repay, the Lord repay, the Lord repay your work. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Refuge. In other words, because of everything that you did. Because of all that you've gone through. I want to talk to people who have gone through some stuff right now. But have been faithful to God no matter what. Because of all that you've gone through. Guess what? And you didn't give up on God. You didn't run to Moab. You didn't, you didn't ditch God because it was more convenient. But you lived a life that said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. Because of that, the Lord repay you. And bless you for everything that you want. The devil's plot was to make her a gleaner. God said, edit that, edit that, edit that right now. Put my goodness in there. The devil's plot was for her to be taken advantage of. God said, edit that and make this the moment she finds her husband. The devil's plot was to continue, to make her to continue to work hard for a little gain. God said, edit that. Drop some bundles of blessing for her so she could just pick them up along the way. Divine edits come into your life where the plot of the enemy you think is unfolding but if you stay all in God says edit that, edit that, edit that I got something better for them the reward of provision the third reward of provision is seats at tables you don't belong at notice what happens next Ruth says thank you he says my joy then he says come here and eat of this bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar so she sat, by the way, I don't know who came up with dipping bread and vinegar. Olive oil, I'm down with that, you know. Maybe it was balsamic vinegar. That ain't too bad, but straight up, I don't know. Dip your bread in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers. 
and he passed parched grain to her. And she ate and was satisfied, but she kept some back. Notice what Boaz did. He brought her to tables that she didn't belong at. She was a gleaner. She was a Moabite girl. But she was sitting in places. How many of you know God will put you in places? When you live in all in life, God knows he can trust you to sit at places where you don't belong at so that you can influence people who nobody else thought was reachable. God will sit you at tables. And when God brings you to places, and when God sits you at tables, never forget the people who have stood by you the whole time. Why? Because she held some back. Did you notice that? Why would she hold some back? Because she knew she was going home to Naomi. And when she went home to Naomi, she said, I didn't just sit at the table for me, but I sat at the table for us. How many of you know that when God moves you to different places, you're not just going there for you. You're going there for other people who God has attached to you so that the blessing that comes on you can get on them as well. The blessing of provision. The second blessing, the second reward of an all in life is the reward of redemption. Stay with me because my time is short because the worship team went extra today. I'm just playing. I like when they go extra though. Naomi makes Ruth aware of what is going to take, of what it's going to take for Boaz to marry her. Since he's clearly interested, she schools Ruth about one of the ways of the Lord that was practiced by the Jewish people. By the way, this is why you need more mature Christians in your life. Because sometimes you need to be schooled. And see, this is humbling because most of us think we know everything, right? But sometimes you need to be schooled in the ways of the Lord so that you can receive everything that God has for you. She knew nothing about what Naomi was about to tell her, but Naomi tells her about something called a kinsman redeemer. And this was simply somebody who was the next of kin who could buy back the land that the family had sold because of a hard financial time. Well, Elimelech and Naomi sold their land because of the famine. And now she just happened to bump into Boaz. Boaz was the next of kin and he could buy back the land if he was willing and if he was able. This is the first reward of redemption. It's where God gives you back the things that the enemy has stolen in your life. If you are an all-in person, whatever the enemy takes, he will have to give it back and he will have to pay it back with interest in your life. But you got to be all in. See, there's a lot of us that are claiming the rewards of redemption without living it all in life. Because we're treating God like the drug dealer. But see, that's not how you receive the rewards of redemption. You receive them when you're all in. And when you're all in, you don't even care about the rewards. The rewards just come on you. You don't even seek the rewards in your life. That's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things will come on you. You don't even need to try to be blessed. All you need to do is obey the word of God. And when you obey the word of God, it has the DNA of blessing in it. So much blessing will come on you in your life when you are all in that you won't be able to stand it it'll come on you and overtake you it'll overflow in your life but you got to be all in the reward of getting it back secondly she schools her she says a widow can all can also request that the next of kin known as a kinsman redeemer would marry her so ruth was going to ask him to marry her and have children with her to continue the family bloodline 
And this was Naomi also recognizing that this was a way not only for them to get their land back, but for them to get their family back that was destroyed. Some of you need to understand there is a way for you to get your family back. There is a way for you to get your family back. You've got to go all in. The rewards, the rewards. So she, she had to go to him, and he had to be willing, say yes, be willing and able to do it. How many of you know we serve a kinsman redeemer? His name is Jesus, who is willing. He went to the cross, and he's able. He was resurrected from the dead. He's willing, and he's able. All we have to do is ask. Amen. All we have to do is ask. He said, if you ask me these things, if you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Why? Because he's our redeemer. Can you say amen? The second reward of redemption is the reward of an upgrade. Well, everything is going good. Boaz says yes. He's excited to be the kinsman redeemer. Redeemer. He finds out he's not the first of kin. Boaz says, don't worry, I got this. He said, I'll go talk to the guy. By the way, fellas, don't, don't let your wife handle business that you should be handling. Step up. Be a man about certain things. Take some of the pressure off of your wife. She's your bride. She's your cherished gift. Cover her. Protect her. Boaz says, I got this. Don't worry. He goes to the guy. He says, uh, he says uh, you got first shot, shot at the land. Do you want the land? The guy's like, yeah, I'll buy it back. I got that. Boaz says, yeah, but, but you can only buy the land if you also marry the wife and take the mother-in-law in. And as soon as he heard mother-in-law, he was like, ah, oh, no, no, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. I'm just playing. But he said no. And when he said no, Boaz says, okay, but I'm down. See, here's what the second blessing of redemption is, the law of upgrade. Never, never, never get disappointed when there is a no in your life. Because when there's a no in your life, here's what it means. It means that God's got something better for you. So anytime an opportunity shuts in your life, look at that opportunity say, upgrade. Anytime somebody says no, don't get disappointed, say upgrade. Anytime somebody leaves your life, don't get disappointed, just say upgrade. Why? Because it's one of the rewards of redemption that anytime one door closes, God has got an upgrade for you in your life. The upgrade was Boaz. Number three, third reward of, rede- reward of redemption is the reward of rising again. Ruth and Naomi were picking up scraps, and now they go to live in their best life. From barely having enough to having more than enough. From gleaning in the field to owning the field. From broke to blessed. From widowed to married. From destitute to delivered. From doomed to destined to win. From death to life. And why shouldn't we? The Bible says a good man falls seven times, rises up again. Right? Why? Because you have rise up DNA in your bones. Why? That's who your Savior is. Your Savior is the king of the comebacks. Your Savior is the one who defied all of the odds to come back again. They beat him so bad, his death seemed final. They tortured him so much, hell thought it triumphed. They sealed the grave with a stone, and surely he was going to stay down. They even guarded it with soldiers so he wouldn't escape. There was no way he could rise again. But on the third day, you know the story, while it was still dark, never think, God has forgotten about you. But God does his best work in the dark. While it was still dark, there was 
was an earthquake. There were tremors in the belly of the earth. And those tremors reached a Judean hill of a borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And the angel of God flicked back the stone as if it was a paperweight with his finger. And the king of glory, the king of the comebacks, his name is Jesus. He rose again with death, hell, and the grave in his hands. You should rise again because of who's your savior is the reward of redemption. The last reward that I want to share with you, and we got to close, is the reward of being part of his story. His story. What does his story spell? History. See, a lot of people are trying to go down in history. A lot of people want, you know, to be remembered for something, but not for the right things. You know what I want to be remembered for? That I was part of his story. Not history, but I was part of his story. Not history, but part of his story. You remember the story. Listen to what it says, Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, our opening text, and she became his wife. And, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then woman, then then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative and may his name be famous in Israel and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also the women gave him the name saying, therefore uh, the Lord has given Naomi a son and they called his name Obed. His father is Jesse, the father of David. What happened to Ruth? She became part of his story. This is the greatest reward of all. It's not the reward of having things. It's not the reward of accumulating stuff. Nothing wrong with that. God wants to bless your life more than you'll ever know. But that shouldn't be our ambition in life. Our ambition in life should not be to acquire. Our ambition in life should not be to be overly this and overly that. Our ambition in life should be, God, how can you use my life to be part of his story? There is no greater thing. And when you look at the lineage of Jesus Christ, there are foul-ups and mess-ups and and people who are screw-ups and people who shouldn't even been in his lineage, but they made a decision one day to go all in in some way and they became part of his story this is what God is looking for it's for us to live the kind of life so that we are not remembered for the stuff we had but rather for the people who we influenced for Christ who through our life came to know Jesus and came to know him more and more would you stand to your feet everything in the Bible points us to Jesus everything in the Bible points us to Jesus every story points us to Jesus last week we talked about Samson Samson in his death killed more Philistines than in his life so what does that have to do with Jesus Jesus on the cross Jesus because of his death destroyed every sin that will ever be against your soul Samson was pointing us to Jesus We come to the story of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, and we see Jesus. The imagery is all over. In some ways, Naomi is us, empty and destitute and in need of a redeemer. The only problem is she needs a go-between in order to be delivered. That go-between, Ruth. 
Ruth is that type of Jesus in the story. Naomi is that type of us. In order for us to be redeemed, we've got to go through Jesus. He himself said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Ruth, in that case, was a type of Jesus. Every story is a story that points to Jesus because without him, we are lost. Without him, we are destitute. Without him, we are doomed. But when we connect with Jesus, he becomes our redeemer extraordinaire. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Do you know Jesus? Have you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Listen to me carefully. Sin separates us from God. There is no way for you and I to get rid of our sin in our own strength. You can't say 20 prayers to get rid of your sin. You can't do 20 good deeds to get rid of your sin. Nothing can wash away your sin except for one thing, the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's only by his blood. Without Jesus, we're lost and undone. Do you know Jesus? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sin? Are you right with him with every head bowed, every eye closed? Today, you don't know Jesus, but today you want to be made right with Jesus. You want God to forgive you. You want to receive forgiveness and eternal life right where you are with no one looking around. If that's you, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. Put your hand up. I want to pray for you. Is there anybody here like that? God bless you, sir. I see your hand. Anybody else? Pastor, today I want to make Jesus my Savior. I don't know if I'm right with him, but today I want to be. God bless you also over here. Amazing. Pastor, today I want to get rid of my sin and be made right with God. If you haven't raised your hand yet, I'm asking not because I want more hands, but God loves you. Is there anybody else? Hallelujah. Yes, sir. You can put your hands down. Would you pray this prayer with me right now, especially those that raised your hands? Heavenly Father, I repent of my sin. I ask you to make me right with you. As I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I receive him as my personal Savior. And I will never be the same in Jesus' name.